the Gubby Gubby are the traditional custodians of the lands we record this podcast on. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, as they hold the memories, tradition and culture of this land. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. Hello, I'm Kate Fisher. Welcome to Milkshakes for Mali, the podcast that tells the survival stories of blood product recipients to thank donors and to encourage people to donate blood, plasma, platelets and breast milk. This season, we are also telling the stories of donors. Milkshakes for Mali aims to bridge the gap of anonymity between Australian blood donors and their recipients. If you have ever been a donor, you could be the one who save prolonged or improve the quality of life for the person that we profile here each week on the podcast. And becoming a donor in the future means that you too could become a part of this story. Today, we welcome Sunshine Coast legends, epic blood donation advocates through Team Adam, bereaved carers and parents, Brent and Lou Crosby. Brent and Lou's son Adam started the Lifeblood team and blood donation advocacy movement, Team Adam, after being diagnosed with an aggressive form of leukaemia at just 17 years of age. Team Adam is now an incredible charity that has made a profound difference to the lives of many and has extended past blood donation advocacy to include supporting organisations that care for patients and families of seriously ill children affected by cancer. Sadly, Adam passed away in 2013. But the legacy of Team Adam continues to spread support, kindness and inspiration to so many in need. On the blood donation front, those who registered their blood donation to the Team Adam Lifeblood team have saved over 10,000 lives in 2022 alone. In this episode, we look deeper into the incredible impact that this Lifeblood team have had. You will hear in this interview that I am completely awestruck and overwhelmed by Brent and Lou and the way they continue to parent Adam after his passing through their incredible work. It was such an honour and a privilege to spend the afternoon with them and to be trusted with this little piece of Adam's story. I hope you enjoy my chat with Brent and Lou Crosby. Today we welcome Brent and Lou, parents of Adam Crosby, who passed away in 2013 from leukaemia. Can I just begin by offering um, our deepest condolences to you both for your loss? Um, and I'm so grateful to you for coming here today and for being part of the Milkshakes for Mali community. Thank you, Kate, for those kind words. Yeah. And um, we're looking forward to chatting with you today. Amazing. Um, now, I mean this as the biggest compliment. It's going to sound not like that to start with, but I really do. I admire you guys so much. And the Milkshakes for Marley Lifeblood team almost didn't get off the ground when we moved here two years ago. Um, we moved from Canberra. Our daughter Marley needed a local pediatric intensive care unit, um, and there isn't one in Canberra. So we were being airlifted to Sydney really frequently. Um, and we decided to move to where there was one to keep her safe. And I came up here with the intentions of continuing the blood donation advocacy that I had been doing when we were living in Canberra. And straight away, there was Team Adam just 
everywhere. <laughs> it was so well saturated on the Sunshine Coast with your story and the beautiful advocacy work that you guys do. And I really questioned whether there was a place for Marley's Lifeblood team up here and for our story because, you know, Sunny Coast is a such passionate blood donors already. Um, and that's just a testament to the exceptional work that you guys do um, and how many people have donated after hearing Adam's story. So thank you so much for what you do. And I'm glad that we have found our little niche place to be part of the community up here. There's always room for more, as Absolutely. you know. Absolutely. And you're doing a marvellous work with your your team quite growing all the time too yeah. amazing we're just fortunate we have so many incredible supporters i mean without those supporters it wouldn't be a team adam blood donation community or a blood donation team mm. um it was something adam was very passionate about and we learned very quickly early how important you know those blood products are um adam received over yeah. 300 and over 350 um, blood product donations and, during his two stop counting near the end but then mm. it's not uncommon for a blood cancer patient to receive that many mm. so we were so very grateful for the um, blood donors that were went before us to help Adam during his treatment mm. so that we just wanted and Adam was the one with the big push behind it to encourage his friends to encourage his um, community to roll up their sleeve and help others not just him mm. so we're forever grateful to those that did donate during his illness yeah, yeah absolutely and I suppose that it, if you'd like us to go back to where it all started we can briefly run through that with you yeah sure so we would love to do that First, before we get into all of that, if it's okay with you guys, um, what I would really love to hear about is who Adam was before cancer became such a big part of his life. We've had plenty of guests on the pod before and their legacy and the way that people remember them ends up being so tangled up with their you know, their diagnosis and the experience that they have had. But Adam was so much more than the diagnosis of cancer that he had, and I'm sure he means so much more to your family than that. Um, if you guys feel comfortable going back this far, can you tell me a little bit about what he was like as a small child? Yeah, well, he he was a very good boy, as all mothers say about their children and <laughs> um, sons. So he was very caring, loved his family, loved his siblings, and was very, very popular boy. Never um, never had dramas at school, you know, with with um, his friends. They just he was always happy at school. We didn't have any problems with with bullying or with um, being excluded from anything. He just was well liked, and I worked at his school, so. All his teachers were my friends and um, yeah. they always loved Adam as, and Adam was like their um, role model for other children. He was always the boy selected to um, welcome the new boy to, to class and take them around on, on the tours of the school and he continued that and he was very popular in high school mm -hmm. and he started to find himself in high school where from being the clean-cut little Richie Cunningham boy that he was in primary school, very, very cute and very, always with the little part on the side and looks like little Richie Cunningham, yeah. to becoming a very much a um, groovy, groovy kind of Nirvana, uh, Kurt Cobain look and love yeah, music, right. loved music. Mm. He had maybe seven guitars crammed in his room with the, all the speakers and all the pedals and 
all the albums. He just loved music. He was in a band with his um, high school friends. They made some little cute um, CDs and he was just very happy and very charismatic. And many of, and of the girls loved him so much. He was very popular. <laughs> he was always mindful of others as well and their, need, and their needs and always caring. He would always be there to help people if, if need be. Yeah. And he had the long hair and I always wanted him, <laughs> wanted my little Richie Cunningham, <laughs> clean-cut boy, but he was finding himself. Yeah. So um, at 17 and one week, perhaps even five days, 17 years and five days, he was diagnosed on his first week of grade 12. In fact, he was a prefect or ambassador at as they called at his school, mm -hmm. and he only got to day one to um, fulfil his role as an ambassador and welcomed the new um, students. But mm -hmm. that day he pretty much came home and said, I just feel so sick. He had been ill previously. We, we had taken him to GPs. Mm -hmm. He did give us, sadly and commonly, the brush-off of an overprotective mother you know, you're just, you know, helicopter mother. Um, he's fine. He says he's fine because Adam deflected it and didn't, because um, I insisted on blood tests and mm -hmm. teenage boy said, mum's overreacting and the doctor. I said, yeah, mum's overreacting. Listened. Okay, we can't really do much. So yeah. you don't need to have a blood test, unfortunately. So, but mother, um, mothers always know best. Mother knows yeah, best. Mothers really do. Doctors were wrong to not listen to um, accept because I just sent Adam into the room and said, now I said to the doctor, I want blood tests, but, you know, he's um, almost 17 now, so you can, yeah. I'll stay outside. Now he's a big boy, he doesn't need me sitting with him, but mm -hmm. I did pass on the facts that I'd like some blood tests. Mm -hmm. But in the end, Adam came out with no blood tests. Doctor said, I'm fine. He thinks um, you're overreacting. And I'm like, oh, do I say something about that? Or do I just walk out? I walked out. Mm -hmm. So, so two weeks later, would have been two weeks later, he actually um, collapsed at work. He worked at Wool, the local Butter and Woolworths. But yeah. he, he collapsed. He was just so tired. So um, he was then starting to also have night sweats, and at that point, he started to, to have the petechiae marks, which is right. a really low, low indication of platelets. So we rushed him off to the doctor, and then another doctor. Um, on a Thursday and then that Thursday night we received a phone call saying can you be here at eight o'clock in the morning and that was a Friday morning at eight o'clock uh, that's when he was diagnosed with acute leukemia and at 12 by 12 o'clock we we're in all Brisbane and hospital receiving yeah. the treatment and from that day on our lives basically changed. We really thought he might have just been low in iron he was pale we were ignorant to cancer Cancer hadn't touched our family. Wow. We did not know much about this world that we entered on that day mm. in 2011. And, and it's been um, a roller coaster ride since then and continues to be, of course, with the emotions still raw that don't go away. But um, then from that day of his diagnosis, we, um, you know, a new door opened the door of cancer and critical illness. And we learned a lot. Um, on that ride that we still continue to and it was learn. a huge it was it's just a huge learning curve you just throw into it and you just you literally your life just changes especially with a young child mm. um so yeah so after Royal Brisbane we went thinking we would be there maybe a week or two but wow 
how wrong were we? We spent nearly two years in Yeah, Brisbane. back and forth because um, Adam's younger siblings were still at school that day and grandparents picked them up. And, and um, we then, the doctors more or less said, because Adam was so ill on his um, presentation that he received so much blood and platelets on that first day. His platelets were down to 12. Yeah, he had a platelet count of 12, high 60s for, you know, high 60s, 70 um, hemoglobin. So if that continued, he he may have been lucky to the last two weeks. They more or less said, get the family here today. So we relocated pretty much um, instantaneously with the family so that the siblings could be with Adam because we didn't know what tomorrow would bring. So we all um, were together for those early times. But as he was receiving blood, he did, thank goodness, the gift of blood. He started feeling better straight away, getting his energy. and getting his comfort in the new institution of hospital yeah. for a young this new environment yeah. and then he needed that blood so he could then start his treatment yeah and then yeah. it was harsh treatment from then on how do you 17 is a really difficult age because he's not a little kid anymore but he's not an adult that can understand the gravity of a diagnosis like that. Yeah. Well, he was think. that he was that kid that had the mindset of an adult. Yeah, he, that, he, he did. He actually did. He actually yeah. had um because he was the youngest boy in the hospital at that time of diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And he had many of the older um patients. He was giving them support. He, they just would come to us and go, where's this soul come from that is making us ashamed of whinging and bringing them, you know, to pull them themselves um, up and stand tall because they just said, if this boy can um, accept this diagnosis and, and uncertainty, yeah. we feel so ashamed that we are crying in our rooms, we men of 70 years of age yeah. are frightened and this boy has got his chin up and is just leading the way here. Mm-hmm. And in fact, he did. He is just, um, just a, a, was an amazing boy that just so many people remember in, in an amazing way. It's amazing that you say that, Lou. I've actually got it written in later in the episode in some of the questions that I was going to ask you, but it's phenomenal the way that you're describing him is exactly the way that I have heard so many people describe him and your family um, on the Sunshine Coast. And We always say, Kate, how did we, um, ordinary parents, doing our ordinary thing in in, uh, middle middle you know average life in yeah. bedroom just yeah. working hard raising a young family working yeah. working how did this boy come to us how were we chosen to have this this amazing child given to us mm. that we only had for a short time but he's left such an amazing impact on our community so and much. further appeal too but we do say now how lucky we are to have him for that short amount of time absolutely yeah. yep Absolutely. And just to see his strength and humility um, right through his illness. And it was just incredible. Mm. And how he, he did give other people support and gave us support. Gave as well. us support. It's not That's easy. Not like Louis said, he, you know, at that age, that they, it was in between being a, a, like a, child, a child to an adult. And an adult. So it's hard. Where do they treat these kids? Do they treat yeah. them in the adult sector? Do they treat them 
you know, with a, a children's protocol. Mm. What, they, what they do know is that age is really, really difficult to treat because it's just like an in-between. And they're growing so much. Uh, they have these big growth spurts that they just don't know where, and they still don't know whether they fit mm. them into children's. Yeah. And some some 17-year-olds have had very successful protocol treatments doing the children's regime, which is mm. totally different mm. to what he did in the adult ward. But some he would not have coped. He always says, I am so glad they put me in the adult ward because the children's ward a baby's crying. He would. He just didn't make connections with the children. No. His connections were adults. Adults. And he yeah. continued to just um, think, talk, behave at an, an adult, mature level that baffled us to this day. It is hard though, as a as a parent because you have got. I mean, you've got thirty two beds there, and these people are some of the sickest in the state, and with yeah. passing away on daily. Yeah. And I used to think to myself, my God, you know, what is he thinking? Yeah, what what is that I'm thinking when he sees these people dying? And it's hard, even when their families come to visit, you are you're visiting people, you get they become your family, they they become your very close friends. One week they're there, the next yeah. time when the family comes, they're not there. So it has a far-reaching impact, not, not just I mean, he lost many of his roommates and other families during those two years. Mm-hmm. And even the siblings, when they'd come on the weekends, Friday night till Sunday afternoon. They'd always say, because they had a lovely family room at the Royal yeah. where the families of all the patients would hang out to the younger kids and they'd be going, oh, where's um, Joshua and his sister? And we'd have to say, sadly, Joshua's father passed away, so they won't be, you won't be seeing them again. And, you know, they, we were always very transparent so with our children. Mm. We would never shield them from, shield them from anything because it's the reality of it. And they're pretty special kids too, you know. Mm. They've gone through a lot, mm. but um, they they come out the other side and have established. But Adam took it on the chin and just said, "Right, let's go. We're going to do, do the it. best we can. Do the best we can. It is what it is." And that's what his famous words. He just sounds absolutely remarkable. Um, one of the things that we talk about in the podcast alongside our blood donation advocacy is um, explaining that we prefer to use the terminology of additional needs families rather than special needs child. So all three of our children have um, physical and neurodevelopmental disabilities. Um, our youngest, Marley, has autoimmune encephalitis as well. So um, her immune system is wrongly identifying her healthy brain cells as foreign and attacking her brain. And she will be dependent on intravenous immunoglobulin infusion made from human plasma donation for her whole life. Um, when she has an acute relapse, it is life-saving for her and every infusion in between is life-preserving. Um, as a family, we really understand the impact that it has on your whole family. And I believe, Brent, you were with Adam in Brisbane to start with and you stayed with the younger children, Louis. Is yes, that right? Yeah, started off, sorry, Brent. We started off um, with, all the, with the children living in Brisbane with us mm-hmm. and they attended the hospital school. Mm-hmm. Um, it was then at the Royal um, Brisbane Hospital attached. But during that time, and that was in the early days where they said, please bring everyone together. We, You need to all be together. And they kids yeah. would go during the day and I'd go and collect them and we'd walk 
back to Adam's ward and we could all eat lunch together because there was a lovely family room where we would always cook Adam's meals too. So he still had home-cooked meals. How so important is that? Very yeah, important because try to keep his weight on because we knew what was coming and you needed um, weight before the transplant mm -hmm. to keep it on and to, to be fighting fit before it mm -hmm. but after a while the siblings started missing their friends in in Budrum and of they course. really um in the end we decided one parent would stay with Adam every day and the other parent would come on the weekend so I took the kids back home to Budrum they went back to school and then on Friday afternoon we'd pack the car and come down and it made it a lot easier um he had so many visits from consultants all the time as well and it's very complicated these illnesses and Adam was a he wanted to know everything about his illness. He was really involved in it, but he wouldn't forget things uh, just because of all the treatment. So one of us really needed to be there all the time to make sure that we could double check everything. And it, if he did forget something, we can just explain it to him. But he was yeah. very on top of everything you know, when he could be. Yeah. And yeah, so as, as Lou said, it's, I obviously left work and um, we shifted to Brisbane. We were very fortunate. We were offered accommodation by the Leukemia Foundation, um, mm -hmm. an incredible organisation that helps so many blood cancer patients. But still, it's very difficult. You still have two households to run. You can't work. Yeah. Um, if, you have a, if you have a mortgage, the banks are going to be very kind for a few months. But these illnesses are a lot longer than a few months. Yeah. We, we've seen it's so, it's so sad. It, the illness just is open-ended. We've seen so many families just totally destroyed. They've lost mm. their houses. They've lost their jobs. Um, they lost they, their marriages they, too. Yeah. They lose yeah. their marriages. And then a lot of the time they lose their loved one. Mm. It's, it's terrible. Um, yeah. And we were fortunate at the time. We just paid our house off so we could draw back on our loan to, mm. to help us through. Mm. Money doesn't come into it. You just make do. You do the best you can. Yeah. But I think... You know, having that having that strength and being together, and and Adam could see that strength. Lou and I had, and the family bond that he had was really really important. Mm. We've actually we've seen some absolutely terrible things when young young children or young adults that have been there by themselves flowing in from central Queensland and just had no support whatsoever, mm. and you know passed away holding the holding nurses' hands. It's just it's mm. terrible. It is it breaks terrible. your heart, doesn't it? It's mm -hmm. so difficult. And even that financial thing is part of why we talk about families with additional needs um, on the podcast and talk about some of these stories because, you know, it, it impacts people financially, even in terms of people taking time off work and, you know, having that impact on your super at the other end of your life because you haven't been yep, able to do it during that time. The impact on, you know, the social things you can do, particularly if you end up with an immunocompromised yeah. family member, yeah. um, which we have got in Mali. She's doing really well at the moment, but we had, you know, a good 18 months, nearly two years through the thick of the pandemic where we had to pull our other children out of school. We had to work from home because if she had of caught COVID in the state that she was in, you know, our paediatric immunologist actually framed it to us um, at the Sydney Children's Hospital and said, look, we don't know a lot about COVID at the moment, but what I do know is that 
if there's only one ventilator and two people come in and someone looks at Marley's health records, they're not going to give the ventilator to Marley. And you need to have that front of mind with every decision you make about community contact between now and the end of this pandemic. So I think people thought we were probably being a bit dramatic, just shutting Uh the front door of our house. But if there's anything that you can do to keep your child safe during that time. Yeah, absolutely. Do everything that you can. Going through chemotherapy, there are many, many, um, months uh, Adam was neutropenic he just had yeah. no white cells so I mean an infection you know could mm. end his life very quickly and we've yeah. actually seen that firsthand with a number of patients who actually yeah. uh, went went out and um, they got sick they got an infection they ended up in ICU and yeah. passed away it's really yeah. sad yeah. Well, it, is the, it is yeah. the minority yeah. but it'll certainly put you back in hospital very very quickly mm, yeah. it's so difficult isn't it So I believe that Adam did quite well through that first round of treatment and that you saw some improvements and that he was looking to attend university. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. He did. He did very well. He he did very, very tough treatment. So he spent uh, 12 months uh, at Royal Brisbane Hospital. Over Mm -hmm. the two years, he was six months as an inpatient. The rest of his treatment was um, done as as an outpatient so we were like I mentioned before living at the Leukemia Foundation and uh, we would drive in most days for outpatient treatment um, um, which was either chemo um, receiving bloods receiving platelets and most days is uh, includes a Saturday and Sunday occasionally Mm -hmm. we maybe get a weekend off or a, a day during the week but that was our routine for the first year in and out of hospitals and, but you know we are thankful for that because if we didn't have that then it wouldn't have been there and he was one of the triggers that started the blood donation prior to getting our team adam blood donation team started via adams mm. and centered was we started the team adam world's greatest shave events during right. like maybe two months after his diagnosis yeah um we, so, we wanted to, what can we do to, uh, we're so grateful for the Leukemia Foundation for offering us a free accommodation for our family, mm-hmm. fully contained unit. So grateful. So um, the world's greatest shape was coming up that March, like six weeks after he was diagnosed, and we just um, said, right. Well, actually, another mother that was sitting in the family room was going to do it, and I was I was just going asked her what she was doing, and she said, "I'm joining, I'm starting a team, Team Mark for her son who was receiving treatment." Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh, move over! I'm going to start Team Adam." So, <laughs> how do you how do you start this team? What do you do? And she had a little iPad, and she just ran me through it. And I'm like, I went back to the room and said, yeah. "Guess what, boys? So Mama's cutting. Mama's shaving her hair." Adam and Lou got together, and uh, that's um, and Team really Adam. Team the Adam, name so. evolved that way. Yeah. yeah, right. And then we had a very successful. Um, we set like a, I think a five hundred dollar goal. I thought, oh, no a, one's going to sponsor me. And then it was a, a, a $2,000 goal. It got kept growing in our beautiful bedroom. And Adam wasn't one. He didn't want money. He didn't want GoFundMe's or anything like that because yeah. he said, what I want is I want to raise money to give back to all of those people, not just not just to help me and, and the few of us. Let's try and do, do as much as we can to help all these people here and more. Look at all the people staying at the Leukemia Foundation. If we can do something to help them and possibly even potentially find a cure in the future, how good would that be? He said, what what am I going to do with 
with dollars, coins and dollars. He said, I've got what I want. I've got a loving family. I'm in here. I'm being looked after. Nothing, no money is going to change how I'm feeling now. So that's what we did. And we were guided by Adam. So I suppose to cut a long story short, we ended up holding um, six Team Adam World's Greatest Shave events. And over those events, we raised just on $660,000, which all funds went back to help blood cancer yeah, patients. Yeah, directly to the leukemia. Adam's last shave was in uh, 2013, and it was six weeks before he passed away. He could hardly walk. But that day, he got out and he really promoted it beforehand. And so many people turned up knowing it would be last. And Adam publicly said, this is my last world's greatest shave. I want you to all come out and support me and su support those going through what I'm going through. In future We set a $50,000 goal. And that day we raised $135,000. It was incredible. Great community. And we have a, a wonderful photo of, of Adam just with a huge smile on his on his face with his brother shaving his head and he knew that he only had limited time six weeks he passed away six weeks later so he still shaved his head and he's he loved his long hair kate that boy loved it and when the day he lost his hair i said this isn't i wanted you to have short hair but this isn't this isn't what this how is supposed to happen it was actually that day it was quite funny because lou was hovering around him because he was really On unwell the and lou's day. like well, be careful. You might get something. He said to Luke, Well, what's the worst thing can happen? I'm going to die. <laughs> so he he just had a really like, yeah. But um, yes, the scene, there were so many people outside Woolworth's bedroom that day that it was like the seas parted as he, Brent brought him in and the crowds just moved to the side and let him walk in. It was mm. quite something to see. But it and wasn't just about shaving. So much. Yeah, yeah. Those kids, other adults say their kids still remember yeah. and their little mouths opened as he walked past because this was the, the Adam. And we wanted everyone involved. It wasn't just about shaving their hair. It was about colouring your hair. It was bring your pet, colour your pet's hair, shave your pet, wax your legs, whatever <laughs> you want to do, just come yeah. along and be supportive. It's about, you know, with Adam, it's about it was, all being inclusive. We wanted everyone to be involved. And it and was very like community-based. It, it was incredible. Yeah. Sad but incredible. But also... Um, sorry. Now, oh, um, the, just the mark on the Sunshine Coast, I remember trying to work out whether we were going to go forward with the blood donation advocacy that we had been doing and walking through our school car park and so many of the cars have got the Team Adam stickers oh. on them. Um, and it just, yeah, I've sort of asked a few people about it and it's just phenomenal hearing you guys talk about him and that time and the way that people describe him. It, it's just such a phenomenal legacy that he has left and left his mark and contribution on the world in such a short amount of time. It's just phenomenal. Just it is. Me away. We agree. It, it, and every day we think it's, we still just go, how did this boy come to us? It is. Oh, yeah, like I, I said earlier, we are so thankful for the wonderful support we get because it's that support that actually you know, continues uh, Adam's legacy. So we are very, very honoured and humbled and thankful for the continued support we receive. Yeah, absolutely. But um, one thing we didn't touch on, uh, as part of the World Greatest Shave event, those who couldn't be involved with that, that Adam was also, you know, insistent on them helping in any way they could. And blood donation, obviously, was one of those big um, ways that people could help. Yes, if you can't donate money to the Leukemia Foundation, 
you can still help um, cancer patients, all patients yeah. needing blood, not just cancer patients. And mm. he was such a big advocate um, for promoting mm. it. And he he um, was interviewed by many um, TV shows or um, journalists and paper journalists. And we've got some lovely um, photos as well as some beautiful articles mm. that um, he was interviewed. Yeah. yeah, so he did quite a lot of work when he came home in late um, 2011. After the year of treatment, he was in remission and he was doing doing well. So he really... Um, in that period of time after he came home, we thought this was behind us now and now we just monitor him and he had his goals of becoming an oncology nurse um, and going to work back in Brisbane. His mm -hmm. nurse unit manager there said, you finish your degree and you've got a place here with wow. us. And he loved his um, Brisbane nurses so much as he then loved his um, Nambo hospital mm. nurses in the same way. They became his family and yeah. friends. Yeah, yeah they, they really do. So close. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so he, um, at that time, I remember Adam, I take, took him to quite a few places where he spoke um, about the importance of donating blood, donating blood products. Um, and how a difference it can make to a cancer patient as he, as he was. And he, as he remained in remission. And sadly, almost he did one week of university, Kate. And it was and almost it's almost to a year again. I'd gone back to work. Brent had gone back to work and the phone call came because he was still monitored the weekly blood, blood tests and Brisbane visits. And that changed our life again. And we knew this time things were going to be yeah, a driving, lot harder. I was driving home and um, we got a ring from the doctor and it was just like, yeah, devastating. But once again, Adam just said, right, it is what it is. Let's we're go. going to go back to Brisbane. We're going to go through it again. But once you relapse from a transplant, it's extremely difficult. It's very difficult. The chemotherapy so is really, really difficult. A lot of the protocols they used to... Um, the first rounds I couldn't use again. So they had, really, had to um, develop new ways of treatment and it was really, really tough. It really destroyed his body. The young body that um, he had turned into that of a very old man with um, damaged hips, damaged knees. He could barely walk, mm -hmm. but he persevered. He just kept saying, keep trying. Until such time that they just they, they ran just out of options. They just ran out of options. I remember walking in um, to the, the consultant's room with him when the when the consultant told him that Adam, we just we had, there is no more options. And it, and it was incredible. I was actually just telling the story yesterday. Adam just stood up and he hugged hugged the consultant and said, "I thank you so much." He said, "For everything that you've done for me." And um, yeah, we walked out. The consultant was actually crying. And that Kate was on my fiftieth birthday. He walked out of there and he said, and he said to the doctor, he said, I won this battle. I did everything. I took every bit of chemotherapy. I did everything required of me. I did everything. He said, I am a winner. I can hold my head up high. I am a winner. So he yes. said, I feel great within myself. And he was very open about um, his diagnosis when he was told he wasn't going to survive. He spoke openly on air about it and he was like really very, very accepting. It, it just shocks so many people how accepting he was of it. He said, I didn't lose this battle because that's the headline. That makes great. That was the headlines when he passed away. Giant front page of the Sunshine Coast Daily. Adam, local boy, Adam loses battle. But he never lost his battle. But he never lost his battle.
We actually don't believe any cancer patients lose their battle. Um, they, they're winners. It, the, the outcome mightn't be desirable, but at the end of the day, they're winners. Just the acceptance and the humility that they have during their battle is um, absolutely incredible. So they're all winners. And our boy was a winner. And his legacy lives on. Hearing these stories also makes you realise that you know, with all the medical and scientific advances in the world, there's only so much that can be done. Absolutely. And it's Australian blood donors and just that human kindness that is often the safety net for people while you're trying to work out what treatments will work. That's certainly been what our experience was, is that, you know, the best medical and scientific minds in the world can't come up with a cure for Mali, but we can do something to improve her quality of life and yeah. to prolong her life for as long as possible. And you never know what, um, what the future holds. Like, no. Like, like we say, it, it's, I mean, we hear it quite often that, you know, a donation can save three lives. But like we say to a lot of people, but a donation can prolong so many lives. Yeah. yeah. And even those patients who are not going to have the outcome we want, the, the blood the blood products can give them um, such valuable time with their families mm. and create memories for the rest of their lives. Mm. So it's, it's so far reaching. We're so proud of our blood donation community, Kate, and mm. the support we've had, not only community, state, and yeah. nation yes we all we have um friends and family in other states and our friends and family have friends in other states and together we've um, grown a really amazing um blood donation community that adam one of his favorite phrases he had a few but one of them as a young boy would just say when he was able to eat food he'd always say so good or he'd say um smell the flowers of the fresh air so good so I know he would be saying right now it's so good because <laughs> I remember so proud. it was at Nambour Hospital when we really got the blood donation community off the ground and we had some real challenges um, with Australian Red Cross Blood Service because it was this was all new you know yeah. what's a blood donation community what's a yeah. you know a blood donation team wanting to add teams, but they've been absolutely fantastic uh, mm. along the way and really supportive. So we've broken some new ground with them and we've, I suppose, help, helped other teams mm. um, create their legacies yeah, as well. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, so all of us together are really making a difference. And it, Adam, before he passed away, you know, he, he made me promise that Team Adam would continue and our blood donation teams would continue. Mm -hmm. We try and inspire as many people as possible. And Which our blood donation community is amazing because under our um, big umbrella of Team Adam are so many um, organisations and groups that have been inspired by Adam and they still are their standalone little team. Like we've had um, the Sunshine Coast Council join our team. Yeah, amazing. We had the Sunshine Coast University uh, join mm -hmm. our team. Adam's Bullworth's um employers and the actual Queensland uh, Woolworths organisation joined our team. So yeah. wherever they were donating blood, it came under Woolworths, which came under Team Adam. And yeah, right. on our um, website, you can see how many mm -hmm. teams there are and schools, you know, Adam schools, big do blood donating. Yeah, so as a charity, it's great because, you know, everyone does 
we feel want to try and give something back. So we're given the opportunity by supporting supporting Team Adam by joining our blood donation community or just going and making a donation. And the amount of people have donated for the first time through Team Adam and have yeah. contacted us and said, wow, we just feel so good. I've just walked out of the, the centre and just feel that I've made such a difference knowing yeah. that just what they have done has made a positive impact to potentially three lives. Yeah. And we've educated so many people who never thought about being blood donors and they're healthy six-foot specimens. They're five-foot-tall, shorter people, mm -hmm. and they all can be um, potential donors. So we've Absolutely. educated them. You, as long as they, you know, they pass all the eligibility um, criteria. criteria on the um, on the app or on their yeah, website. Website, yeah. They, they are surprised. Now the UK or the experts can also donate. Yeah, so, which is great. So we've yeah. got a so we're few just, doctors jumping on board with and, us over the next few weeks. And another thing a lot of people don't know is other than blood cancer patients, they will never be able to donate again, even when they're um, cured. Mm -hmm. That's the hope that a transplant gives um, leukaemia patients. Mm -hmm. But I can vouch as a, I don't know if you know, but two or less than two years after Adam passed away, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And I had to go through the, um, the chemotherapy, radiotherapy and surgery as well. And prior to that, I was a regular blood donor for Team Adam. Mm -hmm. And during um, cancer patients, they have a, if it's a tumour, not a blood cancer, if you have been given five years clearance and remission, you are and given the okay by your um, treating doctors, you can donate again. So I was delighted after my five-year clearance. And on our Facebook, it was a very popular post because people were like, she's back, she's back, she's looking. Because it's a feel-good story. Yeah, because, absolutely. You know, yeah. They're like, this girl, if she can do it, I can do it too. Yeah. And that's what I hope to inspire because... But I must admit, when Lou was diagnosed, it was an absolute shock for so many people. Yes. But it wasn't a shock for us, Fanina. Obviously, it was terrible it was that Lou got diagnosed. <laughs> it was a shock, but it wasn't a shock because we know that cancer doesn't discriminate and it can yes. just happen to anyone. Yeah. Yeah, so it was just like, oh, well, here we go again. I know a family that never had cancer in our both our sides to mm. have it at, within two years of two in the family to be diagnosed. Mm. It's, it's, that is the one thing that would have devastated oh, Adam. Adam. Like yeah. when he, yeah. before he passed away, he said, Dad, you just got to make sure that mum's strong and nothing happens to mum. So that would have been a, an absolute, yeah, he would have been devastated with that, but his mother's strong. It did it did throw challenges our way. When Lou was first diagnosed, she thought, well, maybe this is uh, meant to be. Maybe I'm meant to be with my son. Maybe I'm meant to have this. Maybe I'm meant to pass away. Maybe you, but to look after the other kids, I'm to to go and be with Adam. But it wasn't to be. I gave her a bit of a shake-up and say, hey, what do you mean? Well, do you no know, way in the world. The truth is all mothers that lose their child want to be with their child, but the truth is they don't want to be with their child. They want their child to be with, with us here on earth. And that's where it got me all messed up because I thought, oh, I've got to be with him. Yeah. And then and it was the still challenges. a mother to all of your children. Yes, and Adam, then I and looked at those eyes of my... My living children, I've said, oh, I can't. Could you imagine the cat catastrophe and damage if I went too? So, nope, I'm here still. So that's, I'm winning. I'm but glad that you're still here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing too. amazing things. It was, it was challenging. Though. And you will be together again one day. Obviously, Lou, uh, 
the difference was Lou was actually treated locally. So it, 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 no treatment's easy, but to be treated locally was a lot easier. Yeah. So I could continue to work. I, could, I took Lou to all her appointments. Um, the kids could go to some of the appointments as well. It, it was a long time. It was a, a year um, treatment. after treatment. But uh, we were together as a family. We still could live in our house. Brent could still work. So it did make a lot of difference. The hard thing was um, Lou was treated in some of the same rooms as Adam was treated. His picture was up on the wall. The same but I always bed. say what's hard was he was born in that hospital and I had to walk past maternity and he passed away in that hospital and we had to walk past the signs of the ward where he passed. And that was like, well, compartmentalise, girl, compartmentalise. <laughs> and we, put, we did it. We didn't mm. collapse. We, we pulled ourselves together and um, we're still going and we're still strong and united as a family and, and we hope that our story can inspire others to not give up because there's two paths in our in life, isn't there? The part where the sun will shine one day again and that's the path we choose to walk down or the dark path where you're engulfed with darkness and sadness and never never stand again so yeah. you know you're drawn to the darkness sometimes but lucky for us the, the sun keeps coming up and pulling us to the light and, yeah. and you can you can move forward there's no such thing as time heals um time just gives you or time you create coping mechanisms over time to cope with the loss and to cope with these sort of things, yeah. but it doesn't heal anything. So we just, I mean, we have a atom sized shape in our hearts now that will never be uh, filled, but we continue to um, honour his legacy and continue to fulfil his wishes, yeah. which is to continue to educate and promote the importance of blood donation as you do. Yeah. And we're all trying to make a little difference in this you know, often hard, harsh, tough world and yeah. little steps. We sometimes think he started the charity and got us so busy that we we had no time to, to be yeah. thinking about things and crying and carrying on. So he keeps us really busy. So, so we think he had it all planned. And, <laughs> and we haven't mentioned to you, maybe on one of your questions, because I know um, might, time might be running out for you, that, that because of Adam's amazing work before he passed away, he was honoured with many awards, one of them being um, posthumously, how would you say posthumously. that? Posthumously. Yeah. Posthumously. Um, honoured with the Young Queensland Philanthropy Award of 2013, and it was his... 13-year-old brother accepted the award in Brisbane on his behalf, which is a big, big effort, and there are many more other awards, but his biggest um, legacy is really um, his blood donation community. Mm -hmm. So do you know roughly how many lives have been saved now? By the about, 130, yeah, about 135,000. Which is a lot. Which is a lot. And they, <laughs> some of them are donors... Yeah. Not just 135,000 lives that have been saved, but that's 135,000 families that have got to stay together yes. as well. And we say that quite a bit with Milkshakes for Mali and, you know, what we do and, you know, all of our blood donors don't just keep Marley alive. They keep a little sister with her big brothers and a yeah. daughter with yeah. her parents for as long Absolutely. as we can possibly have her and, in this world. And, and because of those, price on that. that's right. And because of that, 
generosity of blood donors, Adam was able to um, live longer than his 12 weeks. Um, um, he was given 12 weeks to live after um, that mm -hmm. time on my, my 50th birthday. That yeah, he was. He was. And, he, and we, and we spent valuable time and, like I mentioned before, some incredible memories in that time. Yeah. And another beautiful legacy now, both Brent and I work at the Sunshine Coast University Hospital wow. and the new ward of the new unit was named after Adam. So it's yeah. called the Adam Crosby Centre, where all patients diagnosed with any form of cancer, blood cancer or blood disorder, if they want to go public, public they will go to the Adam Crosby Centre first and have their treatment there in a very comprehensive, um, amazing centre that provides the chemotherapy, radiotherapy and all the consultations there. So it's... Which is pretty incredible. Yeah, you know, for, for a, a young boy. A young boy to have a centre named it's after It's just him. phenomenal. It's in a public hospital. It's phenomenal to it have is, anything yeah, named after you. And we all. go up the lift, Kate, and then when we press a button, there's our son's name all the time. Yeah. And when no one's in the lift, I'm all, I always polish, yeah. polish his but name. But like Adam would say, he said his, he would be so humbled by that, but he said his name would just be a representation of the incredible patients that go there that are so humble and they're so accepting of their illness. And that's how he would want that name to be. It wouldn't be just about him. It would be about everyone. He's just the representative. The Adam Crosby is the representative of everyone who enters that centre. The world missed out on an amazing boy. I wish he was here because he would have been something. He really would have been. And guys, I'm going to close the episode out yeah. there. We usually leave um, the final word to Marley in our episodes, but I think that description of him just then is just such a beautiful way to end our episode. So thank you so much for your time today. I'm so sorry for your loss, but what thank a phenomenal you. son you have. And he still has such an incredible impact on this world. Thank and you. I love the fact thank you for that um, through your advocacy, Marley has had so many IVIG infusions since she has been here. And I love that connection of the fact that people were donating on the Sunshine Coast when we moved up here because of your blood donation advocacy. And some of those people have donated blood that's probably kept our daughter alive. So thank you so much for what you do. Um, thank you for what you do, spreading awareness your way. So together so we're much, doing Kate. great work. So yeah. we should join forces more. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much. Kate. All right. Nice chatting to you. <laughs> All the best. What phenomenal Australians Brent and Lou are. I'm so grateful to them for all that they have done. And I know that Marley has benefited from plasma donations that their advocacy has recruited. You can follow Team Adam, that is A-D-E-M, on all the socials. And I'll pop a link to their website in the show notes. Nothing feels more Australian, like the modern demonstration of mateship, than donating blood or breast milk and this product being used to keep another Australian alive. Our daughter is still alive today because of this incredible selfless gift and it is my privilege to create a space for others to tell their stories and to give thanks. This episode was written and hosted by me, Kate Fisher. Today's guests were Team Adam, Brent and Lou Crosby. Audio production by my hubby and Marley's dad, Jeff. If today has inspired you to make a blood donation, we would love it if you could add your donation to the Milkshakes for Marley Lifeblood team. You can just request this when you book in 
for your donation. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please let us know if you have a story to share or to nominate guests who you would like me to interview by DMing me through the Milkshakes for Marley Instagram page. And please rate, share, review, or send this episode to a friend. And as always, I'll leave the final word to Marley. Thank you for my prize, Marley.